Hey guys, welcome again to another episode of Loud and Clear, a Richard's Lemma podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm Matt, your other host. And today <laughs> we are joined by our Avocados from Mexico client, Yvonne Kinzer, who is the uh, Director of Digital Marketing for Avocados from Mexico. Uh, we talk about a ton. We really get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we even talk about her say yes and figure it out attitude when it came to her first uh, project at Avocados. and all the way up to now where they are one of the most talked about brands in the Super Bowl digitally for the past three or four years. So it's a great interview and we can't wait for you to hear it. Hi guys, we're here today with Yvonne Kinzer. She's the head of digital marketing at Avocados for Mexico. She's an amazing woman. She's worked uh, agency side, client side. She's done a little bit of everything and we want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This is uh, like a lot of fun. This is Looking a lot of fun. Looking forward to this. Hopefully it's a lot of fun. Looking forward to this. Hopefully you say that in 30 minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. So Brandon, uh, let me pull back the curtain a little bit. Okay. okay. I'm going to talk a little agency insider Uh-oh. stuff. Okay. I was just in a meeting with Yvonne. Now I'm pretending like she's not in the room. This mm. is what I'm doing, okay? Um, and she's fantastic. Smart, decisive, I loved it. We had a great meeting, and I'm, I just made me even more excited to talk to her about her career today. Uh, and talking to you, uh, you about your career, you know, what specifically, like, tell us a little bit about advertising. Why, why advertising? You know, that, that is funny because I didn't start uh, college in advertising and actually went to law school for mm. a year uh, but then it, you think that is like completely different right but you're wrong it's the same thing mm-hmm. because and I explain what attracted me to law was that I had I'm very curious very very curious and I love to discover things that nobody else had discovered so I picture myself back then um, before I, when I graduated from high school, I pictured myself going, you know, inside the law and the constitution and finding that truth and that mm. that that little piece of nugget that nobody knows and will set my client free or will like break a case. Uh, then you know, after like a couple of class of like uh, Roman law and that kind of things, I was like, this is not the right way to get to that point that I'm visualizing. Mm-hmm. And but then I I also lo- uh, like advertising and I like kind of the notion of it and and I went to advertising and in hindsight, it's the same. It's exactly the same thing that attracted me to law back then. Is exactly what I'm passionate about of advertising. It's just looking at what you have, that the reality of what is out there in the market, what it has been invented, and um, discover what nobody else has discovered. Put your your spin mm-hmm. and make something new and breakthrough. Same yeah. thing. I think that speaks a lot to your curiosity, right? Like you're, you're looking for these insights within the law, but now you've transferred that over to marketing, and, and I think that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I guess let's let's talk about where the curiosity started in your professional career. I know um, you did work with TM, you did work here at Lerma, you did work at TRG. What were those initial um, 
clients like and what were that first processes of, of getting into advertising and learning the business? Yeah, well, I started way before there. My first job in advertising was in Venezuela in Lintas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, it's, it's just funny remembering all that, you know, the, the kind of what you knew, when I, what I knew back then and what I know now, that when I knew back then made me make the decisions that I make back then. But I'm saying mm-hmm. all this to tell you that when I, when at a, when I graduated, Advertising in my head, it was, it's advertising. You just go into an agency and you start creating because I'm, I'm very creative. You start creating, you're having great ideas and you're executing them and it's great. It's like my, mm-hmm. this kind of the same vision that I have for law. Um, so what I didn't quite knew back then is that advertising itself, the world within an agency is very, I mean, every discipline is completely different. So media and creative and in the, are in the other extremes. And then you have planning and then, so, well, I thought that you, I just have to get into an agency and start creating. But I was um, placed, because, you know, coming out of school, you don't have experience in account service. Imagine all that creativity mm-hmm. wasted. Mm-hmm. Because as you we know, and it's something that I think that is still broken in our industry, is that it, we work in silos. So the account service person, God forbid, they come up with a creative idea. Mm-hmm. Or, or the planner come up with uh, the way to organize the account. Or the creative come up with a planning idea. And so everybody has to stay in their lane. Right. And so one thing that I still haven't learned how to do, even after you know twenty something years in, in this, is how to stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a good thing I'm on the client side right now. <laughs> um, but so so I was misplaced for for a few years in in a position that I was like a fish out of the water. I'm not an yeah. account service yeah, person. Yeah, what is this? This is not what I signed up. Yeah, for, it's yeah. like it's like doing a like a you know a homework and looking at what the person next to you is doing and saying no, this is not what I want. I want that. Yeah, give yeah. me that. And nobody, no creative mm-hmm. will you know relinquish yep. uh, authority over their their, right. their territory. And so it took me. Um, you know, years to get to a position where, you know what, this is, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. This, I'm, I'm misplaced. Um, I want to create. And then it started looking for that opportunity mm-hmm. where I can do what I do best. Right. I know you've had experience both agency side and also client side. Were you able to find some of that creativity on the client side initially? Or what was so that? that was my search. I mean, that was a search that I was uh, throughout my career. First, I thought it is the company. It's a, it's, it's, it's a co- mm-hmm. you know, if the I go at client side, mm-hmm. I may be able to be creative. And then I went to be corporate America wrong way to go and be creative (laughs) (laughs) and then and then there's so many red tapes and there's so many politics and and yeah i mean it was more siloed right more silo and less it embraces a lot less innovation. You will be surprised how many large corporations uh, have their own brand as uh, innovative companies. But then, really, when uh, you know great ideas are uh, brought to the table, mm-hmm. there's so many people and so many layers that have to uh, weigh in. That mm-hmm. the idea. I mean, if I if I tell you the things that we could have possibly done in in like 
500 Fortune companies that claim to be very innovative and, and were, you know, passed. I mean, you will, you know, you will be amazed. Um, then I thought, okay, it's no, it's no climb. Let me, I started refining, right, my right. search. And then I went to uh, startups. And then I started working with technology startups, um, very small digital agencies. And, and that is when I finally said, okay, then, and now I'm seeing the light, you know, uh, yeah. behind the tunnel because it, then that's where the creative the creativity right. live and at that point I say okay now now we're clear it's a, it's a small company it's a startup um, and then from there I start refining refining even more and more my search uh, the I, I think that if if by the moment that I knew exactly what I wanted in my career you will ask me to describe my uh, ideal role. I will, and not because I'm here, mm-hmm. and you know, not because I think my my boss is going to hurt this or anything. <laughs> but I will. I mean, honestly, I will definitely uh, describe the the role that I have right now with avocados from Mexico. Um, it, it pushes boundaries. Is we're not afraid to push the the envelope and push the limits. We not only embrace but we celebrate creativity Mm -hmm. and we're very proud of the advances that we have done to change the paradigms in an industry that was other way conservative on the marketing side so do you think i mean avocados from mexico is a big it's you know it's an iconic brand big iconic brand um do you think there's a difference in mindset from what you're doing now versus the big companies that you work for in the past. Do you think it's a mindset thing? Because I know you touched on a little bit that in the big companies, everybody wants to have their fingerprints on it, and everybody has that mindset of we can't do this because X, right? Yeah. But I think in the role you're in now, you you're surrounded by people who support you and, and look for great ideas. You think it's a mindset? It, it is. It, the the difference is like you know day to night. It's completely different. And I think if you ask me, and I'm thinking. Right now, I mean, this question as, as I, well, I answer, but I think that is that uh, that fear to take risk. Mm-hmm. If you see, for example, a 500 Fortune company that has stakeholders and, and they need to give an explanation. If something goes wrong, I mean, imagine, uh, there's there, they have a lot to lose. Not that right. we don't, but, um, but I think that we are more, um, it, it, it's, it's a load. Um, Do you think it's a learning, growing mindset, right? Versus being this scared, like, oh, if we mess something up, it's it's the end. Versus, I think you guys have a mindset now of, well, let's try it. And if it works, we'll continue to build on it. If it doesn't work as well as we'd like, we'll, we'll try something different, right? It's it, a, yeah, kind of that, that's part of it. For example, we, we have a say, and that comes from our CEO. We have, we have like bullets and cannonballs. So you, mm. you use a bullet. If it work, then you bring your cannonball. But we're eager to experiment. We love to be first, the first that you know reinvent the way things were done. Um, we, we, we like to be pioneers. We want to blaze the trails for other fresh produce companies that come after us. That you can do that. I mean, because you're a fresh product company and nobody have done it before doesn't mean that you cannot do it. I mean, you can do it, you can do it successfully. And and we don't look up 
in the industry, in the fresh products industry, we look up to the big CPGs, what, what yep. they are doing, because yep. when we do that with our mindset and being as nimble as we are, we're a lot more agile, mm -hmm. and that's what has allowed us for many years to compete with those same companies on this on campaigns like the Super Bowl and win. And, and win can be interpreted in many ways, but win, I mean, we have been the most shared um, uh, hashtag for years. We have been the, the only brand that has been in the uh, first and second position as the best digital campaigns for the Super Bowl mm -hmm. in the Merkel Board Report. We have been in the YouGov survey, um, uh, story as the top one in purchase consideration after the Super Bowl. So so there's a lot of things that we're doing right with a lot less resources. And that I think that that has to do with um, the, the willingness to take risk, mm -hmm. calculated risk. Um, something that I call meaningful innovation. It's not that we want to innovate just to do something new. Uh, we really want to be meaningful when we innovate. There's a lot of cool stuff, especially in the area of digital, that I wanted to do. But if it's not going to push any of my overarching goals, mm -hmm. then there's no point, yeah. right? So that's, that's so, so we innovate, but we innovate, um, we're very smart when we innovate. Mm -hmm. Um, and th I think that's the main difference. I think before we dive into some of the great digital and, and this especially the Super Bowl work that y'all do, I think what would be helpful, especially for listeners, is to understand kind of the framing, like the some of the challenges and maybe some of the things that make um, marketing for avocados from Mexico potentially different or more challenging mm -hmm. than a CPG brand or a brand that we might just say, let's just go run a, a Super Bowl campaign for. Well, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is we're brandless, we're in the brandless category. Uh, so how you build a brand in a brandless category? Give you an example, we don't even have any package. The package is the most powerful piece of real estate for a CPG. So we, we want to play in the CPG arena in terms of the, you know, the marketing strategies and, and tactics and campaigns and execution. We don't even have we don't even have the real estate that they have. So that's that's the first challenge. When we, in, in digital marketing, in, in the digital activations that we do, there's so many opportunities out there to track from, uh, to, to follow the attribution from the digital ad all the way to the point of sale for everybody else, not for us, because we don't have uh, we don't have how to track that and the point of sales because we don't we, we only have a sticker We don't even have a package that we can track. So that's some of the limitations that um, I mean if we wouldn't have them We will really really um, right. Competing like hand-to-hand -hand with those yeah. um, CPGs um, You know being part of the brand just recently. I'm learning about uh, you know within the same question that Brandon asked the uh, USDA is something that's a little different and new to me as a creative and how they play a role in what we're doing for avocados. I think it, it's interesting, like if you could talk just a little bit about that process, because I think it is a little different. Right. So we, we are part of a, a, a program um, under the, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and they, they manage our promotional program, and they have to basically approve everything that we do from budgets, the way we use the or, or 
marketing funds, the way we say things in our advertising. So everything that we put out there yeah. has to be approved by the USDA. So um, that that's, again, that, that's a limitation in the way that, I'll give you an example. We were not allowed, let me take that back. Do you think avocados are healthy? Yes, absolutely. I think you ask anyone in America, do you think avocados are healthy? And they will agree, right? We weren't able to say, we were not able to say that avocados are healthy until a couple of years ago. Because, um, you know, and, and you, we provide um, tons of research that prove that avocados are, are healthy, but until the USDA doesn't have you know, the chance to review all this research and come to an agreement, yes, avocados are healthy. We were not allowed to say that in advertising. So that is today one of our most powerful messages. So imagine what was our narrative before, you know, two right. years, after, before two years ago when we couldn't even say or one of our most powerful mm -hmm. messages. Mm -hmm. So now all these limitations are on the table. We know the challenges <laughs> that Avocados Mexico face. Um, let's talk about the initial approach to especially the Super Bowl marketing, right? Um, Y'all are very unique in the sense that you have this marketing budget set by the USDA and now it's you've made the decision to, to focus on the Super Bowl advertising campaign as a major spend for your brand. How did that decision come about and then how have you been optimizing each year? Let me let me clarify the, the budget sources so there's make sure that there's not a misunderstanding. There's an organization in Mexico called APEAM and it encompasses all the growers and packers of avocados, has avocados in Mexico. And then there's another organization in the US called Mahia that um, encompasses the the distributors of avocados from Mexico in the US. Those two organizations came together and that is that or our parent company. So from every pound of avocado in, imported into the US, then there's there's a small portion that goes to the marketing fund. Mm. And that fund is managed by the USDA. Mm. Um, so what had been now to your question, what have been the learnings year over year? Uh, that's that's have been a quite a journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got time. That's yeah. a big one. <laughs> you know, we started with um, this the Super Bowl or first Super Bowl campaign was in 2015. So so think about this. I, I started with avocado from Mexico September 2014. My first assignment or the second, whatever, uh, was like, okay, now we're going to launch a Super Bowl campaign. <laughs> and it's going to have a, this digital component. No pressure. No, no pressure. Right. No pressure. But, um, you know, I, I, you have heard, if you don't know how to do it, um, just say yes and figure it out, right? So then I look at, I went online and see what, what is even that going with the Super Bowl campaign and how do you, how do you, how can you succeed in that? Sure. And part of my analysis was that Super Bowl Digital is just, and, and I'm telling you about looking a lot of what other brands were doing, what the, the press was commenting after the campaigns, etc. My conclusion, uh, to make a long story short, is you know, Super Bowl Digital is just like a gigantic social conversation. Everybody's talking on social media, um, and th they are talking about brands, they are talking about 
products, they are talking about the commercials, they are talking, and then you have on the other side the, the, the football fans talking about their teams. So everybody's talking at the same time. 100 million users are participating in that conversation. So who is going to, what, what, who is going, what message is going to go through the, the message of the brand that connects the better with the, the, the audiences? So that, that was the, the task. So based on that, we, you know, prepare strategies and, 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 and execute it. So the day after the first Super Bowl, I have the agency call me in the morning, like after Super Bowl, 9 a.m. Hey, congratulations, um, you guys win. He said, we, we won what? Um, I didn't even know you win that. Yeah. And it was because US Today published that the, the top campaigns, the, the, the second screen champions and avocado from Mexico was there just after Procter & Gamble. And that was our first Super Bowl. That's the first yeah. one. You came out of the gate with a bang. Right. Yeah, and then after it, we saw, oh, you can actually win that. So then we got spoiled forever because now right. we wanted to win every year. Right. Um, so again, the next year, the same, the top digital campaign. The third year, we're actually, we were the, the top one digital campaign, according to the Miracle Report. And this year, again, the, the second um Top two digital campaign, but the only brand that has been between the one top one and top two for f four years in a row. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I think one of the things that I really love about the Super Bowl work that you do is you take this thirty-second spot, right? You say, "Here's the thirty-second spot. People are going to see it. People are going to talk about it." But then from there, it's how do you extend the life of that spot? Not only making it sixty seconds digital only but creating an experience for someone surrounding that, creating a world about whether it's Guac World or uh, the dogs, you know, like, and so what was that reasoning? How did you either come from a spot and then turn it into something, or what was the, the creation of this digital world? So, so interestingly, the, even before the spot, it was a no-brainer for us to go to the Super Bowl. If you think what products are in front of the consumer when that spot is running, whatever spot it is, it, you can tell there's maybe three or four. I mean, there's there's uh, beer, chips, mm -hmm. um, Pepsi, Coke, you know, sodas, and, and guacamole. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no more. Every everybody else is like you know. Um, it's not in front of the consumer. So we have to go. And then to quote my, my CEO, he says that the TV spot is just an excuse that we as a brand use to then create a, a huge PR and digital activation. Because if you think about it, the, this, the, the spot is in front of the consumer 30 seconds. I mean, it's 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this year, for example, less than 100 million viewers actually viewed the, the Super Bowl, the spot, because that was the audience of the game. Now, go to digital, and we have only views of the 60 second that we put out um, online. It was half of that audience. It was over 50 million yeah. uh, views wow. of the spot. Uh, so that was just one tactic of of our entire big, yeah. digital platform. Now the the campaign is is um, we launched it a couple of weeks before the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. By the time by game day, 
you know, we already are very, very connected with the audiences. They know what the campaign is about. That we have by the game day, we usually have over two billion impressions already. Um, and that conversation is is going it's on. It's, yeah. it's happening. And how how you drive message recall it by repetition, right? Reach and frequency, yep. reach and frequency. So if you have the right reach and frequency during two weeks, um, I think I don't have proof of that. But when when I have uh, re, uh, research like you you that says that avocado from Mexico was the top one uh, in purchase consideration. I want to think that part of that was a social conversation, right? Um, one month after the Super Bowl, right. that, that was the thing that advertising age, I think that it was advertising age or ad week, uh, published an article a couple of years ago and said, two months after the Super Bowl, one winner, Avocado from Mexico, because it was the, the one that really showed statistically um, an improvement in, in purchase consideration after the Super Bowl. So yeah, that year we, um, that was last year, that last year we delivered 4.5 billion impressions. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah they, the attribution is not there, but it's, I mean. The numbers are there. Yeah, the numbers are there, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing that you started 2014 uh, working on the Super Bowl. You've now been doing it for four or five years, continue to stay on top. I think my question to, to you would be, you know, you've seen digital grow and change in even just the last five years. You know, what are, you know, w what do you see coming down the road? What's going to change in the next year, five years? What, what's going to be important? I love that question because I think that... Um, Let's get in a, a very serious conversation now, because we get shit about advertising, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think this is a great, great, I love you asking me this question because I'm um, in a mission to try to influence the industry that we need to do something, we need to change. And we have a year. We don't have more than a year. And mm -hmm. and and I, you know, probably we will listen to this a year from now and you say, oh, she, she was right. Um, I think, and I saw it during the Super Bowl, the things that the industry is considering important are not, are not important for marketers, are not important for consumers anymore. Mm -hmm. They were, even a year ago, they were. They are not important today. If you see, uh, uh, take, continuing with the example of the Super Bowl, after the Super Bowl, you have all kind of, the uh, measurement platforms, analytic platforms, like this brand accomplished this, more mentions, more hashtags, more engagement, whatever that means, right? And so what? So, mm -hmm. so you have like so many winners, depending on who you ask, uh, what platform do you ask, but, but at the end, we as a marketers are getting so distracted by shallow metrics that we're forgetting about what is important. And what is even more dramatic is that the consumer is getting bored with or same thing over and over and trying to like um, shovel our messages through um, every platform, existing platform to them. And they are already um, ignoring it somehow. Mm -hmm. I, I saw it during the Super Bowl and how even though we, mm -hmm. Put it, put out there the same effort, um, even more. 
because you know we, every year you have more competition uh, you have brands that are more savvy there's new technology coming so you have to step up your game every year but the reaction so or stimulus was the same or stronger the reaction of the industry not only with us because i have seen mm -hmm. this across the board and every brand is saying the same um, diminished so that is because is we're doing the same um, first of all uh, the technology is already kind of you know not evolving it's, it's evolving fast but it's, it's, it's centering within the same old mm -hmm. thing so uh, I'm telling you we have a year to figure this out I love this I love this idea because this is this is what I'm hearing tell me if I'm right I I feel like you're identifying the cycle of advertising right the the cycle of advertising in the sense of the industry of advertising lives in this cycle of even when it first came out, it was about bringing value to com consumers, right? I'm gonna inform you of my product and tell you uh, what's interesting about it way back in the day. Mm -hmm. And then we move to this really, um, let's just entertain period, and then we're moving back to value. And now we're seeing the vanity likes, right, that you get on Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Those vanity likes, they don't mean anything anymore. And so now we need to shift, like you're talking about, back to adding value, like giving consumers what they want, what they need, and helping them in their life. Exactly, is that, is exactly, that kind of exactly, absolutely. And and you have to be, again, you have to be meaningful. You, it's not about quantity mm -hmm. anymore. Meaningful. It used to be. It, mm -hmm. it used to be about quantity. And and, and we as, an, uh, the, you know, and the consumers and the brands, we got obsessed with quantity. Mm -hmm. We got obsessed with how many likes do I have? How many Facebook right. followers do oh, I yeah. have? How many, and we're still, but, but believe me, we are, it's going to start a declining and it's going to start like right now and the clock is ticking uh, and again we have like month and, and to, to figure this out before um, the, the you know you are going to see some big brands really failing or advertising budgets are going to start to water down that that's only in social media let's change the conversation to display for example for several years so we we get the the innovation in technology gets to a point of diminishing return because we try to do more and more and better and better and better what happened that at some point last year uh, or a couple of years ago when we look really really closely like um, amazing programmatic what an advan uh, advancement of uh, technology but then when we look closely um, we see that only maybe sometimes 13% of our impressions are really hitting our target uh, sometimes 20% of our impressions so now then we start a process we brought Nielsen and to do a story and really measure how many impressions are getting to our um, target and when we confronted our media partners with that, they said, well, because you know, it's programmatic and you're paying this. And paying this. That's not an excuse for an industry to tell a brand. I mean, if I'm, I'm paying this amount of money to hit my, my target, it should be hitting my target. So we tried to um, automation and all these wonderful things were really, really good until that point. When we try to do better, better than that, we start like mm -hmm. declining, mm -hmm. and that's why the industry now have to go back to the old ways and reinvent themselves. 
what we're doing this year, for example, is, you know, back to the basis. It's, it's mm-hmm. reach and frequency, but it's reach of my target and right. frequency of that uh, segment of my target that I want to see my message in the ideal, with the ideal frequency so they can remember. Remember it. Absolutely. I think you really hit on it where the content being created either needs to be just action reaction, right? Like here is, for instance, with Metro, we're in a, a weird position and it's kind of similar to avocados where we advertise a ton on social and digital, a ton. Um, but our web presence, you, you really cannot buy anything on Metro.com, right? You can't get a year of service, you can't do anything, and so you're driving to a landing page, you're driving for awareness, but you're not necessarily driving for a transaction, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's similar with avocados, right? For the most part, it's um, awareness, and it's also like, okay, I need to go to the store and purchase this. Mm -hmm. And so it's, how do we tell a story? How do we get people invested in the brand, but also the right people, right? I'd rather have a 100 in my target and reaching them and talking their language and getting the content done rather than a thousand of people that aren't going to care or just because of the computer told me to. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's the same thing that happens with um, trends. I'll give you an example. For example, the apps. There was a point on time every brand wanted Everybody an app. Everybody wanted an app. And everyone an app. So I, I say, and I say uh, to all my teams in Navogado from Mexico, as long as I'm the head of digital, we are not having an app ever for two reasons. If I if I will have an app, I want that app to be in the first screen of every phone. Right. If it's not, if it's not gonna be there, I don't want it. Um, and second, you have the app, you pay for the app, you develop the app, and then you need a truck loaded with money to raise awareness of that truck right. to get them download the app, and and then another you know, line of trucks loaded with money to maintain those mm-hmm. users engaged with the app. It's not worth it. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And, and still some, uh, s- still some, some companies are just still working, still working on that. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that y- you don't, you know, there's no companies there's that no really can there. make yeah. it, but, but no, it's not mm-hmm. for everyone. So that's why you have to be very selective on the innovations. Well, so then here's what I'll say to close out the interview. The trends are, you know, whether it's apps or I would even say like some influencer content marketing, um, as those move more to past trends, what do you see in 2019 and beyond as the trends that marketers should start paying more attention to or or grasping a little bit more? So but going back to our previous conversation, it's all about how useful it is, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not about coolness anymore. Um, it's, it's there, there's some elements of coolness, but it's how useful it is. When, when I see the technology landscape and you see something that is what makes, especially in a time where there's so much content, there's an overwhelming amount of content mm-hmm. that where impersonalization is so important. So when you look at all the factors, what is the common denominator that helps everything is artificial intelligence. And I don't see that as a trend. I think I, I see that as an, it's just the natural evolution of an industry that is needing more personalization, deeper engaging, and kind of filter that 
overwhelming amount of content to deliver only that that is relevant. It's about relevancy. And it is definitely um, artificial intelligence is something that came to stay. It's going to keep improving. It's going to get better and bigger and broader. Because right now you, you see pretty much in, in, in almost everything that we do in marketing, you can plug artificial intelligence and make it more relevant, more efficient, more cost effective, etc. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Uh, Yvonne, amazing stuff. Uh, you've been able to navigate the worlds of creative strategy. You've even managed multiple agencies from multiple different disciplines. And I want to thank you for being here with us today. I don't know if you want to plug your Twitter while we have you here so folks can follow you and reach out if they have any further questions. Okay, that's a bonus. So you right. can follow me at uh, Yvonne Kinzer. Is I V O N N E K I N S E R. Perfect. We'll put it in the show notes. See, we're all, all about adding value here, right? Yeah. That's right, that's right, right. Relevancy. Relevancy. Right. right. And I value. promise my content <laughs> is very, very relevant. Perfect. Well, thank you again. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to you, the listener, and also Avon for sitting down with us to talk. Uh, we did, of course, as is our MO, uh, ambushed her after an avocados meeting and stuck a mic in front of her face and got some great information today. Yeah, no, we really enjoyed it and we really appreciate you um, tuning in and checking us out. So until next time, uh, leave a review, let us know what you thought, and, and we'll see you around.